You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Hello, everyone. My name is Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. And you are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery. It is so excellent to have you here again for episode 14. And I am thoroughly excited for this one. And yes, I pretty much say that at the beginning of every one of my shows. But this one is great. And this one is great because it's really going to be following along the lines of what I've been posting on Instagram this week. I've been getting a lot of love off of the green ones. Um, Note to self, you got to do this for you. This is for you. This isn't about anybody. Live for you. Honor you. Never lose sight of that. And then also uh, the other one, the other green one, when things aren't adding up in your life, start subtracting. And I started posting those uh, really because... What I'm starting to notice on Instagram a lot, and this is really where I'm spending a lot of my time getting to know the community there, is that when we're making these decisions to move forward in sobriety and recovery or someone in our love life or someone close to us is in sobriety recovery, there's this juxtaposition of how are you supposed to interact with this person who was uh, acting crazy or aloof or intoxicated or showing up late or never following through with their promises. And, you know, now they're quote unquote, a new person and they want to do all this changing. What do you do? You know, what do you do? And equally, I'm noticing that, you know, there's about 10 or 20, I don't know, I put them in a collection called fans, where I really pay attention to the newcomers and what they're saying about their sobriety and recovery, because it's important to me that um, I support the newbies as much as possible. You know, I mean, again, I'm only 26 and a half months into this, I'm by no means an old timer, but um, I really like to support the people on day one and five and 40 and stuff of that nature. And then I'll notice that some of these accounts will drop off. I mean, I won't hear anything from them for a while. And then they come back and they had a relapse or, you know, they, they did, they didn't, things didn't go well. Right. And so it gets me to thinking that, you know, if you go and you're telling people that you're changing and that everything is going to be different and then you relapse, you know, how do you have that conversation? How do you step into the fear of that? How do you step out of the fear of that as well, right? Because you, you're going around and you're saying, that's it, I'm done, I'm going to make a change. And then something happens and you don't. And you have to start back at day one. And if this happens to you multiple times, then how do you have the conversation with the people that are closest to you and let them know that you are working your ass off to make this change and it's just not easy, right? If there's one thing I think we can all agree, regardless of how we got to the decision to become sober, it's not easy. Deciding to become sober, sure, I had that thought for 22-some years in mind, but actually moving forward with it. You know, there was many times that I just stopped drinking and just didn't tell people because I just, I, I either I knew it wasn't forever or I just didn't want to disappoint people. I didn't want to have the pressure. You know, I was doing it for me and if, if I could make it last, great. And if I didn't, then the only person I was disappointing was myself. You know, in college, I very rarely actually tried to stop. Maybe my last year or two, I'd go through spells where I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm done binge drinking. I'm going to be better. Uh, problem was, was I would inevitably fall off the wagon and um, the blackouts would be worse because I would try to pick right back up where I had left off. Um, and so as we go into this 
episode, I want you to start looking at yourself and thinking, you know, where are those conversations that you need to have so that you can begin to move forward and really be comfortable in your recovery? Because, you know, if you're in AA, then it's, you know, clearly there's a lot you've already discussed about this. There's a lot you already know about this. You know, for those who aren't necessarily in AA, then there is going to be a question about what it is that you could be doing that perhaps you're not. You know, where is it? You know, when I look back over them, you know, obviously stepping into the admitting that we're powerless over the alcohol or drugs is huge. That's really important for all of us. Um, doing the inventory of yourself, Refuge Recovery does that as well. Um, understanding that, you know, being humble and, and about your shortcomings and making, you know, step nine, making direct amends to the people whenever possible, except when it would do injury, uh, injure them or others, right? But that's step nine. And depending on where you're at and, and, and how much you've pissed people off, you might need to start having these conversations a little earlier. And I want to discuss how exactly you would go about doing that. You know, like I, like I mentioned earlier, um, my latest uh, Instagram post was one of the, says this. It's got a red bridge on it, black background, if you want to go find it. One of the hardest decisions made in life is to choose which bridge to burn and which bridge to cross. And in my caption for it, I specifically say, you know, basically, or uh, what did I say? Or don't burn the bridge, just stop crossing it. You know, I really don't believe that burning bridges is a good idea. You never know when you might want to cross it again. And do you really want to leave a relationship with anger and violence or just animosity, right? Is that really how you want to say goodbye to that person? It makes me remember the movie, I think it was, um, it was I think it was Bronx Tales, um, or maybe it was Goodfellas. I want to say it was Bronx Tales, where somebody owes one of the main characters $20, and he gets ready to go chase after him. And I think it was Robert De Niro's character, some famous character, stops him and is like, look, that dude's out of your life for 20 bucks. He will always turn around and run away from you. He will never want to have to pay that debt. You just got a very toxic, bad person out of your life. It's only 20 bucks. Let it go. He will never bother you again. And that's a good way to, to say goodbye to something. Just You don't need to burn the bridge. You just need to stop crossing it. Don't even ignore it, even. Um, and so we're going to get into that. So let's talk about some of the keys that I've put down here in my show notes. You can go to Podbean for the full show notes. Uh, I've noticed iTunes and uh, some of the other ones don't necessarily put the entire show notes in there. Podbean will definitely have them. Hop over there. Check them out. Pretty pretty intricate. You're going to notice that I follow it pretty well because I don't want to miss any of these important topics. I've thought about this a lot, and I think this is an important subject because, you know, in my the way I see our entire human existence, it can fit into three spheres, career, self, and relationships. Everything you do can fit within those three spheres. Um, even if you were born into great amounts of wealth, there's still a career. There's something you do um, that is... You know, I mean, even uh, I think I'm getting ready to do it again. I brought this up in my very first book. Um, even Paris Hilton ended up having a job. You know, she was born into great amounts of wealth, and she ended up being a DJ and coming up with like a clothing line. Like you, no matter who you are on this planet, career 
works for you. Of course, self works for you in relationships. So when you're going to move in to sobriety and to recovery, figuring out your relationship sphere is very important because that's where you're going to start getting a lot of different kinds of feedback. And how do you control that? And how do you talk about that? And you know, how do you have some really tough conversations with people who you may have severely pissed off? Or maybe they pissed you off. Right, like a lot of people pissed me off when I was a drunk, but I didn't say anything about it because I figured I'd probably piss them off at some point too because of my drinking and drug use. So best to just let whatever they did roll off, so that if in the future I piss them off with my with my partying ways, I could say, "Well, hey, I didn't bring this up. I didn't bring that up." You know, a tit for tat kind of thing, which is extremely unhealthy, but more than likely something that we've all participated in. So let's get into the meat of this podcast because I think this is going to be extremely helpful for a lot of you. Um, Working titles, you know, fear of letting people go or letting go of toxic relationships or just saying goodbye or to to burn a bridge or not. Um, Just keeping in mind that don't fear rejection when you go to have a conversation with someone of this magnitude because it's not about you. it's It's about them. Right? What have you done or what have they done to you? But just remember, like, yes, it's, everyone plays a 100% role in the conversation. And please do remember that. It's not 50-50. It's a 100% each. Each of you have to listen. Each of you have to respond. And please don't just listen to respond. Actually listen to their words. Watch their body language. Figure out what they're, what they're not saying that they want to be saying. But remember, there's there's no rejection here. You can't lose what you didn't have. If you had a great relationship with them at some point, and now you're sitting here, and that relationship is is um, strangled a little bit, that that relationship is is tense, then you don't have what you used to have. You have this now in front of you. So you can't lose this best friend. You're already to the point where the best friend could be gone, or the family member may not want to be around you anymore, or vice versa. So it's important to be in the moment and have that conversation. I mean, if the relationship is strained, then you're at a crossroad. You're at a fork in the road. Something has to be done. All right? Do not put other people's needs in front of your own. You have been doing that for way too long. Right? I mean, yes, you got to go pick up your kids from school. I mean, you know, don't be so fixed mindset on some of the things that I'm saying. Look at it from a broad, broad scale. Or if it helps, go down and find somewhere where you're giving of yourself or perhaps you're tired of doing that. If you're always the one doing the laundry or always the one doing the dishes or always the one taking out the garbage and you really want some help, it's time to ask for that help. And if someone's not really willing to do it and they don't have a good reason like, hey, I don't have arms and legs or, hey, I'm, I don't really think that there is one. And even if they work 15 hours a day, there's still participation there, right, guys? If it's upsetting you, then you need to have the conversation and see if the reason they give is adequate. I like to say, and I think it's extremely true, that excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. If you're not having this conversation for inter-excuse here, that's something that could be avoided. All right? I mean, what's the most important of all the things important is thinking this, just think of it this way, guys. How would you act or respond in the conversation if you felt 100% worthy? If you knew you were worthy of whatever it was that you were getting ready to ask for, if you knew you were worthy for, of forgiveness, if you were, were if you knew that they were worthy of forgiveness, what would you do? 
humility, integrity, gratitude. We know these are three of the benchmarks of sobriety and recovery. So be 100% worthy. Feel 100% worthy. That is my little soapbox for the moment. All right. Number one, why is it important? Okay. When you choose to make these drastic life-changing decisions, you will have to take inventory of the people in your life. It's a must. It's a must. The easiest social group to get into is the addiction one. You show up to a new town, you're in a new school, you go to a new college, you don't have a lot of friends, nobody, you burned all of your bridges on accident or on purpose, and now you just want some friends and you were using, all you have to do is go to the bar, guarantee you're going to be able to find some people who want to do some blow, smoke some pot, whatever else you would, might, might be thinking of. The easiest social group to get into is the addiction one. So you're going to have to take inventory of the people in your life and ask yourself, are these really friends? Are they drinking buddies? Are they party friends? Or are they just friends of convenience because they're the only ones who tolerate you? Are they the only ones that you would tolerate? I mean, are these people going to support the new you? Are they going to drag you down and back to your old ways? Or maybe they're even going to want to join you. And I know that when I first got into sobriety, before I even thought about getting into recovery, I immediately thought, how are people going to judge me from my 20s? All these people who used to watch me party, and now I'm going to be going off, I want to get sober. I, you know, I even had one friend ask me, you know, oh, you know, so I guess you found Jesus. I'm like, why would I, well, I don't understand, why would I have found Jesus? Well, you know, you're going to AA and you're sober, so you found Jesus. And I'm like, well... Um, I don't go to AA. I go to Kaiser, and I have five meetings a week there, and, and a therapist. And uh, um, I don't need to find Jesus to be sober. I did understand that there was a higher power involved, and I do call mine the universe. And I do understand that with, you know, the universal energy that is life, and that is just everything that exists. That through the universe's power, I was able to release the strain and the fear of that this would be possible because in a universe of infinite possibilities, why can't this be one? Why can't me being sober be one of those possibilities? In, in the matrix of life, in the, in the one zillion different planes of existence, can't I be sober and in recovery in one of them? And so I didn't need to find God I found my version of God, just like everything says in AA now. I mean, you can find it all over Instagram. You don't have to believe in Jesus or Mohammed or Allah or whatever the other ones are. I don't know them either, but I can guarantee you don't have to follow that to get into sobriety and then move into recovery. So don't let other people throw weird stuff your way and drag you down. You've made this decision. It's time to power forward. It's time to move through the fear, right? It's look. If you can't just snap your fingers and not be afraid anymore, that's okay. You're human. That is totally acceptable. That is, in fact, exactly how the human like essence is. You do things when you're afraid. That's where the courage comes from. Lots of people do things when they're afraid. That's, that's okay. If the fear is there, but there's also courage, you just got to go, man. That's why it's important to have these conversations because it's time to become the new version of you. And if you constantly have someone poking you, reminding you of the crap you did back in the day or the person you used to be, it's going to be really hard for you to get a mindset wrapped around the fact that you are a new person. 
It's going to be hard enough for you to convince yourself of that at times. There'll be other times where it's like, I am totally sober. I am awesome. And there'll be other times where it is not. The last thing you need is someone else standing there, you know, saying, you're not good enough. You're not going to do this. You're going to fail. You're going to fail like you always did. You're going to fail like you've done and failed everything else in life. Like, uh uh-uh, man, you've got to sit that person down and have a conversation. And then it just, that's just the way that it is. And this is great for point two. What does saying goodbye look like? Okay. If in this conversation, you ultimately have to say goodbye, it will end the way you set your intention for it to end. You cannot control how that person responds. You cannot control how people respond to the things you say to them. That is a staple of life. You could go up and tell someone that you just won the championship and they could either be happy for you or jealous. You don't know how they're going to respond. You could tell someone, you could tell your parents who love you but want to keep you safe, I just got offered an amazing job, but it's in blah, blah, blah city, and I'm going to have to move. And they could be like, no, you can't do that. And they'll rattle off reasons. And ultimately, the true foundation for why they're saying that is they just want to keep you safe. They don't want to see you move off to the big city. And what if you go there and the job doesn't go well? Stay here where it's comfortable and warm in your little comfort shell. You don't know how they're going to respond. You just don't know. And you, do, and you also won't know whether it's for, you know, I, I say that the reason I love my therapist is she doesn't have an ulterior motive as, as far as what I'm doing in my life. But even she has one. I've seen it. I've noticed it. It is to keep me sober. It is, it is to make sure that I'm going on the right track. But there are certain things, in life, and I'm fine with that. I'm okay. Everyone has an ulterior motive. Even if hers is just to see me be happy and sober and in recovery and healthy, there are going to be times where I'm going to say some crap like, hey, I've got an idea. I should stay up for seven straight days and uh, and uh, play kip- cryptocurrency on Coinbase. She's not going to be thrilled with that, and she's going to try to lead me away from it. You cannot control how someone responds. You can only control the way you act and respond within the parameters of the conversation And, of course, moving forward when that person's name is brought up in any conversation outside of the one you're having with them right now. If you have a conversation with friend A and ultimately you decide to part ways and it's it's amicable, but then behind their back somebody says, man, have you talked to friend A? And you're like, F that person. Or, ah, and you roll your eyes, something, right? Like, that's, that's, that's some shysty crap, guys. If you left it amicably, or even if you didn't, when somebody else asks, just be like, you know, that is what it is, and that's between us, or whatever it is, but keep it positive. Even if that person stole all your money and ran off to Vegas with your with your best friend's girlfriend, whatever it is, like just be like, you know what, that person's doing their thing, but I'm over here and I'm doing my thing, and I'm really happy with the way that this is playing out for me, and I wish them the best in life. They'll get exactly what they deserve because of based on their actions, right? That's not negative. That's not that's I mean, you could probably say it with a sarcastic tone, but ultimately everybody gets what they deserve at some point. You can only control the way you act and respond within that conversation. And then once you leave that conversation, anytime that person is referenced. So you need to set an intention for a positive outcome when you start the conversation with the person. This is what saying goodbye looks like, guys. This is what saying goodbye looks like to people who are who are grounded and stable and present and mindful. You're honest, you're forthright, you're transparent, you're courteous, you're humble, you're gracious. You have gratitude and humility and integrity. 
You set an intention, even if it ultimately means that you will never talk to this person again. You set the intention to walk away amicably. Like think about Billy Madison when he when he called up that when he when he called up Mr. Pink and uh, and uh, the guy who played Mr. Pink in Reservoir Dogs. He calls that guy's character up and apologizes apologizes to him and. Uh, Ultimately, that guy ends up coming in and saving the day by shooting some dude in the butt, right? It's like, end it on a good note because you might need that person as a friend or an ally later. And at the very least, you don't want them parked across the street plotting against you. (laughs) All right? Then that goes to number three. Do I burn the bridge, stop crossing the bridge, cross the bridge, or ignore the bridge? You have to do what's best for you regardless of how it impacts the other person. I remember Gary V saying something like, you know, saying goodbye to a parent, a relative, a best friend, a friend, an acquaintance. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Even if you, you know, and I put in my notes, even if you talk, don't, you know, it, uh, let me, let me go back to Gary V. He says it's going to be difficult, but it doesn't mean that it, it shouldn't be done. If it has to be done because that person is, is spewing so much toxicity into your life, or if you think that you're spewing so much toxicity into their life that it's just no longer a viable communicative relationship, it's no longer positive and growth-oriented, then you have to make the tough decision. It doesn't mean it's going to be forever. I remember getting in a huge, huge fight with my mom right around 21, 22, and we basically didn't talk for three years. And of course, now that she's passed away, I'd love to go back in time and get all of that back. But at the time, I was just a ignorant, you know, up my own ass, you know, mid young, young twenty something who just didn't give two dams about anyone but himself. But we did grow back to, closer together. We did come back. We did finish our relationship amicably and lovingly, and I adore her still to this day. But for that period of time, we had to stop talking to one another. If you don't talk honestly with the person while you're having that conversation and let them know what you're thinking, then they're going to be confused, which which could which could bring anger, resentment, any one of those negative thoughts, any one of those negative thoughts, emotions, whatever it is. If you're not being honest, you're not talking with sincerity, they're not going to know what you're thinking. If that conversation is going to end well, then you got to be able to tell them the truth in that moment. The person could feel owed an apology or a grand gesture, right? The, the whole step number nine, right? You will choose to make amends or not. Step nine is up to you. And once you've made that decision and acted on it, if they're still unable or unwilling to see you differently, then you will have to choose whether that works for you in this stage of your sobriety and recovery or not. If they are unwilling to see this new version of you, then you have to decide that you are going to just have to, I mean, you're going to have to make that tough decision. That's ultimately what it comes down to. You want to become this new version of you. The tough decision is there for the, for the taking, for the making, whatever it might be. So now, number four, how to have that conversation, right? Like this is a big one because this is where the whole thing comes down. You know, and like I said before, honesty, forthright, transparency, courteous, humble, gracious. This is where you step into that. Honestly and with honestly, and I'm, and and I'm saying this honestly, you need to keep the emotional triggers to a minimum. 
if this conversation dissolves into some outrageous argument, then nothing positive will be attained from that segment of the interaction. No positivity is going to come from screaming at one another back and forth. You get a lot of anger out. I don't, I do not talk to people like that. I do not let people scream at me and yell at me. I'll give them five or 10 seconds if they got to raise their voice and release something because goodness gracious knows I have. And I'm going to take a couple of breaths. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to come back. I'm going to say, wow, that was, that was, I'm sorry I had to do that. I'm sorry I did that. That is not what this is going to be. And you have to step into that. If you're feeling emotionally triggered where you're going to start getting angry and you're going to start screaming and yelling, you've got to calm down, breathe, reset, walk away, whatever it takes. You are a new person now. We are new people. I am a caterpillar who turned into a butterfly who drank his life away. So then that butterfly resurrected himself like a phoenix and now he can no longer go back to being that caterpillar who doesn't who isn't a heavy hardcore drinker or a drug addict i've i've done this chrysalis i am this butterfly but it's a new season i've got new wings of whatever metaphor works when it comes to butterflies <laughs> i was obsessed with them in college and i wrote many stories about them you'd think i would know a better way to talk about them but i'm really <laughs> really charged up right now because I see this not happening well, and I know it could be done better. When you're in these conversations, realize that you're arguing over the problem. The problem was your drinking. The problem was your actions while you were drunk. The problem was there. All right, It's not necessarily one another. When you were sober, there was, there was some point where you were at least a decent human being. The problem was your drinking. The problem was your actions while you were drunk. The problem was you breaking promises. Like, you're arguing over that. Ultimately, there was love there, and there can be love again, but you got to get through this problem. The situation between the two of you is the issue at hand. Calling back to memories of what the other one did, rather than figuring out a better way to deal with life right now, moving forward, will leave everyone in this conversation chasing a tail that cannot be caught. That is the truth. Write it down. Google it. Build a Wikipedia page around it. You, If you're living, 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 living in the past, right? If that needs to be dealt with, make those amends, right? If they don't want to take the apology then, then that's exactly what I'm talking about. At some point, you have to be able to just walk away and say, man, I really effed that one up. I am sorry. I'm going to have to go off and do better with the next person. Sometimes you just, you know, I have a saying, X's are X's for a reason. I do not, I do not go back to the well twice on that one. Whatever broke us up is, it, you know what? There are a bazillion fish in the sea. Thank you. Try again. If, if, when it comes to, I know you're like, but Josie, these are parents and these are family members and, and, and la, 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 la. And I'm like, I get it. I, I totally get it. You're right. You're going to have to see him around Thanksgiving. You're going to have to see him around Easter. You're going to have to see him around Christmas. I get it. So talk to him cordially and move to the other side of the room. You're living in a fixed mindset if you're thinking that you you have to sit there and take the barrage of bullshit that they want to throw at you or vice versa if you're constantly throwing it at them. You're living in a make-believe world if you think that somehow because they hurt you and they were an addict around you and they blah, 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 that they owe you for the rest of your life. That's, I mean, that's just 
ridiculous. We have all made some mistakes. Even the worst atrocity at some point, you know, I I I I think I've referenced this in other conversations, but it's like there have even be there there have there have literally been people who were involved in the Holocaust come out and say, "All is forgiven. I cannot hold on to that anger. I cannot hold on to that resentment. You have to remember that forgiveness is not for the other person. It is for you. It is for you. I will say that again to make sure that you are paying attention as you are driving in traffic. Forgiving someone is not for them. It's for you. And sometimes you will literally, well, I guess the true word there is figuratively, you will have to, an, you will have to accept an apology that never comes from a person who's not really sorry. You will have to accept an apology that never comes from a person who isn't even sorry. It's unfortunate, but at times in life, that's going to happen. And so that leads us to the final step. What if it doesn't go great? Or, 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 what if it does go great? Okay, you got into this conversation. Okay, this conversation started as one where you were ready to cut ties or you were ready to make amends. Whatever the intention you set with the other person at the beginning of it, all right, then it's time to make that intention manifest itself. If you decide that you can't talk to that person for a day, a week, a month, a year, forever, whatever it might be, okay, then Get it to end in a hug, a handshake, a fist bump, a high five, anything other than middle fingers, physicality, or violence. If you can do that, it's a win. Okay, if it goes well, then the friendship is ready for mending, and then you take it slow. It's like if your spouse cheats on you, if you wrong someone so bad, Right, and they say, "Okay, I can forgive you. I can, I can love you again, or I can, I can stay in this relationship, and we can make it work." Don't just be like, "Yeah, I'm the winner," and then go right back to like everything's all hunky dory. Remember that there's a mending, right? It's like a broken arm. You broke this person's heart. You broke this person's trust. You broke this person's something. Uh, you know, you can put a cast on a broken arm, and now it's like, oh, now you're saying to the arm, "Okay, we're gonna heal. We're gonna get through this." But that arm isn't fixed in five seconds just because you put a cast on it, just because the doctor told you how to take care of it. It takes time for that broken bone to heal. It takes time for broken relationships to heal. It takes time for damage to mend. Be slow. Be thoughtful. Be mindful. Prove to each other that this change is real. That the sentiment shown in that conversation was real, it was lasting, it was loving, it was true, it was honest, it was transparent, it was forthright, it was everything I mentioned up there in step two. It was all of that. And if it went all said and done, this should lead you to not having to burn a bridge. Just, you know, I picture my life, it's like if you're looking at your life as a gigantic map, there are so many bridges, 
Every single person you meet is a bridge. You might meet someone randomly in the building you work in, and you never know. You might see them at the, at the, at the vending machine, and you're 25 cents short, and because you were nice to them in the elevator, they give you 25 cents. You'd never know when a bridge is going to be necessary to cross again. If you've got thousands of bridges saying goodbye to that one and just living life, like it, leaving it intact but not going near it is okay. In this analogy, all your bridges that are you know, on hold, all your bridges that are being ignored can just be put onto the same little place, little island to nowhere bridges. You know, I, I know a lot of people who have burned, burned, burned some bridges. And if that is ultimately what this comes down to, just remember, then forgive them, even if they never hear you say it. Even if, you're, even if you write them an email and never send it, you write a letter and just drop it into the mailbox, you know, addressed to dumbass who I never want to talk again <laughs> to, whatever it is. I'm trying to get you to take the high road, but I get sometimes, man, you just want to go back into that. I'm eight years old and you took my toy and I'm going to throw a matchbox at your face and break your tooth. That once happened to me as a kid, so maybe I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> so that's where we're at, guys. Why is it important? Because if you are, and we're going to do a quick little review here. Why is it important? Because you've made this drastic life-changing decision and you have to take inventory of the people around you. What does saying goodbye look like? If you set an intention for it to end positively, there is a much, 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 much better chance that it will than if you just get into the conversation and be like, you know what? You pissed me off and I want to talk about it. That's, that's not healthy. An intention can be something as simple as, hey, friend A, you know what? We've gone through a lot lately, and I've got this going on in my life, and I don't know where you're at, but I really want to sit down and have a heart-to-heart conversation. And my intention is for this to be loving and open and honest, and for us to to and for the outcome to be that we end this amicably, um, or even still friends. But either way, we're going to be calm and and we're going to be willing to work through it. And at the end of it, we will at least be able to know that we have had this conversation. You don't have to pre-frame it that you're going to, oh, well, you know, we're going to have this awesome conversation, but there's a good chance that at the end of it, we're not we're going to talk again, right? Like, why would you set that as the intention? Just set the intention of, like, I want to have an open, honest conversation with you about each other's feelings, and I want it to be one done uh, with friendship and, you know, and uh, emotionally untriggered. You know, I think you're getting what I'm saying, and I, I, I my brain keeps what like emotionally untriggered. The brain doesn't see negative, so all the brain's going to see is emotionally triggered. I'm constantly running this through my own filter, but the key is, is just use lots of positive words when setting that intention. You don't have to burn it, cross it, ever see it again. You can just ignore it, but understand that regardless of what ends up going down, it, it's it's going to be difficult to have this conversation and it could be forever life-changing depending on how it goes. If this is a wife, a best friend, a loved one, who knows? More than likely, this is going to end up really changing your life if this person holds a lot of weight in your life. That's why having an honest, loving conversation is key and say that at the beginning. Right? If you've given your apology and you've given your grand gesture and they're still unwilling to see your new version, I don't care if you've relapsed 17 times. The 18th could be the one. It took Edison 999 times until he finally nailed the damn light bulb. If it takes you that many times and you come out of it sober and ready to move into recovery down the road, then hallelujah! 
Hallelujah. So you have that conversation. Step four, honest with honesty and without the emotional triggers. Do not yell. Do not get angry. Calm down, breathe, reset when you need to, and realize that you're arguing over the problem, not one another. All things being equal, all things living in this perfect little bubble, things were going good with y'all at some point. There was at least, even if your dad was always mean to you and you have to have this conversation, there was at least some point where you're like, I don't know, he fed you, he loved you, something. There was a one little 1% shimmer where it worked out. And again, look at this with a growth mindset scope and not a fixed mindset scope. If you look at a fixed mindset, you're only going to see what this person did bad. At some point, there was at least something good that they did. I know that's a tough one. Even I, even I feel like I should touch on that more, but we'll 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 bring that one up at a different one because I know that one's tough, especially for children of abuse or alcoholics and stuff of that nature. I know that one's tough. I know that one's tough. And you know what? I'm taking note to discuss how to forgive someone who has severely hurt you. Step five, what if it doesn't go great or what if it does? Just remember, if it ends in a hug, a handshake, a fist bump, boom, shakalaka, then that's great. Just keep the middle fingers, the physicality, and the violence out of this. Ultimately, it would be great to be able to mend the friendship, mend the relationship, if that can be done at this point in time. If it can't, then you decide what the time frame is or you don't and just say, you know what, I will see you when I see you. I wish you the best. And then be polite when their name is brought up around you. You have to be able to prove that the change is real. They may just say, you know what, you go do your thing, and I'm going to go do my thing, and you know what, we'll see how it goes. And three, six, nine, twelve months later, you've been sober. You've been showing up to, you know, I think of, of when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking a lot about how like a husband or a wife with a, who one of them's an alcoholic, the relationship ends. There's children involved. You've always disappointed the kids. You've crushed the daughter. You've crushed the son by making promises that you didn't follow through on. And now you're saying that you're sober and you're going to be a new person. Right, They have to get used to this new you. They have to get used to this new you. You have to give them time. But I'm telling you what, you better not be making promises that you're not ready to keep. Don't make promises when you're happy and don't make decisions when you're sad. I hope this helped you guys. In fact, I don't even hope. I know it did. Because it's opening up a doorway in your head. It's opening up a conversation that you can have with yourself. And then you can take this to your loved ones. And you realize that you're making this decision of sobriety and recovery. I don't care if it's alcohol, drugs, sugar, sex, porn, gambling, whatever it is. You know it's if it's something that leads to a negative outcome consistently in your life, then it's a problem in your life. And when you decide to let it go, there's going to be a major shift with everyone else who's learned how to deal with you as this person who is doing this vice and is now not. They've gotten used to balancing you in their life as this addict. And now you're no longer this addict. It's going to take them just as much time as it's going to take you to rebalance. Wow, this has been really awesome. I know that this has been helpful for you guys because it's been helpful for me to say this stuff out loud. It's been helpful for me to work this stuff throughout. Like this is my 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 baby. I love from sobriety to recovery. This show is so important to me because it's a place for me to learn all of this stuff and be able to go it out and be able to it's I'm a, I am of service to you. 
Go on to Instagram. Look for the post about this. It's, it's it will have a green background and say something about it. Comment, um, please. Go on your favorite app, like, subscribe, review the podcast. That stuff looks great when other people are searching for it to know that I'm not just this Yahoo Wahoo out here. You know the ramblings of a madman, which I have been known to do once in a while. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you for honoring me with your time. I know that that is the most valuable resource you have. And I do not take it for granted whenever you listen to my show. And as always, thank you for being part of the community that I am cultivating on Instagram. And thank you for being just a part of the community as a whole. And for all of us being of service to one another, it is to me the most important thing I can bring to my sobriety and recovery is going out and being of service to others. So please go out there, be amazing, be amazing. Whatever it is that you're doing, just know that you are worthy. You are worthy. That's it for today's show. You have been listening to me, Jesse Mogul, on From Sobriety to Recovery. I would love it if you go out there and be a part of my community. I thank you, thank you, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Y'all have a great week. Bless y'all. Be well. Bye-bye.